Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We have been, now Tim, going into, or have gotten into, the seven churches found in the book of the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Um, I find it intriguing that last week we did the church at Ephesus, and it seemed like they did everything right. They seemed to be a dynamic church. They seemed to be a church that um, hated the sin and the evil that was around them, and, and all these things. Yet God says towards the end, I have one thing against you. Mm-hmm. And that is that they have they had lost their passion mm-hmm. or they had left their first love. Yeah. And last week we just we discussed it in our own um, application is do I love him as much today as I did the day that I got saved mm-hmm. or the day that I trusted Christ as my savior? Hopefully I don't. Mm-hmm. I want to love him more right. than I did the day that I, I trusted mm-hmm. Christ as my Savior, if that is possible. And, you know, so, so we're seeing that. Now we're going into another church. It's the Church of Smyrna. Um, very, very interesting church mm-hmm. where it seemed like Ephesus did everything right. Smyrna seems to have nothing going for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like they are attacked on every side. They are going through horrendous persecution, horrendous mm-hmm. tribulation, and um, just a terrible, terrible time. Right. You know, and, and, you know, we can look at it today as certainly the church in many ways, I think, is going through some persecution, maybe not here in the United States, but certainly overseas and mm-hmm. some of the third world countries. Uh, they have to have the underground church. They, they have to be careful where they meet, when they meet. Uh, who knows that they're meeting, mm-hmm. um, and all of those things. So I kind of picture Smyrna as that kind of kind right. of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to go through only four verses mm-hmm. for this church. So, um, but but it's jam-packed, four verses. And, and that's it. It is jam-packed. And it's, it's something that, like I said, so much the church can identify with. And I think that the church in America is going to have to learn to identify with. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see the beginning stages of that. You know, right. we're not, you know, some people want to say, oh, we're being persecuted here. No, we're not. We, we are still incredibly blessed. But um, are we are facing more and more difficult times? Are we, yes. Are we fa- facing more intolerance and more hostility? Yes. But not quite to the point of persecution like he was talking about here. But it could be on the horizon. And yeah. so it, it's good for us, even that are tuning in from America. Though we know there's a lot of people that tune in from elsewhere in the world right now that can really identify with right, us. Right. But I think that now, today's the day to settle it. You know, I think of like the Navy SEALs. And um, there's one gentleman that I had heard once who had always wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And he's like, before you became a SEAL, you had to come to grips with one thing, your mortality. Yep. You had to come to grips with the fact that you could be laying your life on the line and everything that every time you went out on a mission could be your last right and you had to make peace with that before you went out on your first mission 
And I think that's kind of where the church in America is at right now. We need to get back to understanding that it could mean our lives. It may not. Right. But today's the day to settle it. Right. You know, and once again, I, I think as he does in the other six churches, as he did in the church at Ephesus, um, Jesus, who's doing the speaking, uh, goes and speaks to the leader, speaks to the pastor of the mm -hmm. church. Um, he calls it the angel, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these things. So, you know, and, and what I like about it is each time he goes and Jesus identifies himself with a word picture for us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, just as he did with the church at Ephesus where he goes and says um, who he was, you know, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and so forth. Um, so he goes and says, look, I'm right here in the midst of you. I'm walking mm -hmm. with you. I am with you. With Smyrna, he goes and says, says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Mm -hmm. uh, so he goes and he, he identifies with us. Mm -hmm. Okay, pastor, um, I've given you this task, yeah. but you're not going to go it alone. Right. You know, and to me, that's, that's, that's mm -hmm. a great consolation. And the depths to which he went to identify with them. Because he could have very easily and would have been totally in his right just to say the same thing that he said to Ephesus as far as introducing himself. Because yeah. we see him introduce himself that way in chapter 1, who is, who was, and who is to come. Does that again with the church in Ephesus. But he doesn't do that with the church at Smyrna. Yeah. He, he starts off talking about how he's the first and the last, but doesn't do the who is, who was, who is to come. Rather says, who is dead and came to life. Yeah. And that is really getting in. I know we're going to be talking a little bit more about that, but that came down more to him helping them understand, I know exactly where you're at. I understand the mindset you're coming with, and I'm going to meet you. I'm not only just going to come be in the midst of where you are, I'm going to come into the midst of your culture, into the midst of your mindset, and help you understand that I am relevant to you specifically, yep. given your specific situations. You know, I think, why don't we break there for a moment. I'm going to have a, a word of prayer. I'm going to have you read the four verses mm -hmm. for us, and then pick it right up from that, because uh, if you would remind me, <laughs> because I've seen to forget, if you remind me, one of the things that I think is, is very prevalent in all of the churches here is that he, he gives the gospel mm -hmm. in a nutshell. Yeah. I died, I was buried, and I'm alive. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's pretty much what the gospel is. You know, yeah. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. This mm -hmm. is the gospel. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. So it seems like each time he just says, get back to the gospel. Get back to the truth. Mm -hmm. Get back to what is real. Yeah. Get back there. Anyway, we're going to open in prayer, ask the Lord to be with us as we go over these four verses about the Church of Smyrna, and then uh, just have a discussion about, you know, what am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. Well, if I look at this church, I ought not to be afraid of anything. So. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you so very, very much. Uh, Lord, that just as you told Ephesus that you walk with, this, with the candlesticks, Father, as you're saying now with Smyrna, that, that you are the first and the last. You were the dead, but you are alive. And Lord God, we ask that you would, you would show your aliveness to, to us today, that, that you are alive, that you are working, that you are in the, in the midst of us, no matter what we're going through, whether it's trials and tribulations or whether at this time prosperity, but that you are with us. 
So, Father, speak to everyone who watches and tunes into this program. May your Holy Spirit be able to work his work that needs to be done in each and every one of us. So, Father, we thank you in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So, picking up there at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty. But you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So, Tim, I think what we need to do is we need to go back and give a little bit of a history lesson as to Smyrna, what kind of city it is, um, the people, Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Now, it's my understanding that Smyrna was a seaport city. It was uh, a Greek city where, or a Roman city, where, where it, it had emperor worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, the people seemed to be cool with that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, well, the emperor provided everything for them. Mm-hmm. Provided them their, tool, their, their, their food, provided for them their money, provided for them everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people seemed to be okay with worshiping the emperor you know, mm-hmm. the, the cult of the emperor and so forth. Um, and Jesus doesn't take too kindly to that, does no. he? No. You know, um, it just seems like, wow, um, here you have the emperor, you know, the people worshiping the emperor, and then you've got a group of believers who say, we cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the response to them was very harsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Jews had a... They had a special right that they didn't actually have to refer to that emperor as Lord only because their God was the God of Israel at the time. So now you've got the Christians coming into play. And all of a sudden they were threatening the Jewish um, privileges that, that they had had. And so that's one reason why so many of the Jews didn't appreciate the Christian church, even in Smyrna. Um, Smyrna, as you said, though, was a very prosperous city. It was a seaport city. Um, it's been around for many, 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 many centuries, um, almost always inhabited. Um, but it is a place that is familiar with death and resurrection yep. um, as a nation, because back in around 600 BC, it had been basically totally annihilated and reduced to nothing but a tiny little town. And then in the days of Alexander the Great, he raised it back up again. And so you, you read through even a lot of their folklore, and, and you'll see this common theme of you know, rising up from something or, you know, being dead and being resurrected is, is a very common thing that you'll see replayed throughout their culture in a lot of different ways. So the fact that Jesus starts off introducing himself, not just that I'm the first and last, but I'm the one who is dead and I have come back to life, you know, not just a city, but I as a person. So they could identify with that concept. Um, 
there's also a lot of other symbolisms with death that went on here because um, Smyrna is actually translated myrrh. Mm -hmm. And Smyrna was actually had exclusive rights to the import and the export of myrrh from their shores. And they were literally on the west coast of Turkey and were straight west from Athens, Greece, which was pretty much the gateway into Europe at that time. So it had a very strategic placement. Um, and for that reason, that's why it was so prosperous. But it was raised up from the ashes. Um, however, it didn't, the, the church as we see here, be, suffered persecution. So there's this level of destruction trying to come on. And this wasn't the only time, because I was actually surprised um, as I was reading that we are only two months shy of a 100-year anniversary for Smyrna. Because um, in 1922, once again, there was a spiritual genocide that took place that hit the worldwide headlines all over the nation back in 1922, or all over the world. Um, where they tried to annihilate the Christians huh. once again. Wow, that's so amazing. this Christian persecution is seems to have been a re, has been a recurring theme for that area, and so and as it's been for the Christian Church at large, you know there seem to be periods of blessing, there seem to be periods of tribulation that we see constantly throughout, and so that's why this is so important, you know, for um, the first for Smyrna as well as for us, but. Um, but the thing about the interesting thing with myrrh, for those that might not know, we've of course maybe heard that term, especially around Christmas time, because we know the wise men brought frankincense, right? golden myrrh, and myrrh was a spice that was often used in burial. Um, you also see that myrrh is what was used when Jesus was buried, and they went back to um, prepare his body for burial. That's what one of the things yep. that they were going to do. Um, interesting thing about myrrh is this, is that it has a bitter, pungent taste to it, but it has a sweet aroma. aromatic aroma. Mm. Yep. And so you almost see this being played out, even as he's talking here to, to Smyrna, this concept of, look, I know the pain, I know the tribulation, I know you feel like you're poor, I know all this stuff, but you know what? You've got, there's this kind of life I want to give you. You know, it's bitter, but here's the sweet. You know, if you stick through with a bitter, on the other side is going to come something sweet. So, you know, I, I just think it's amazing just the way he really honed in on this aspect with them, really getting to where their hearts were at in ways that they could really understand of what he was trying to portray. So then is, is it fair to say that a lot of the, uh, the, the church's um, tribulation, a lot of the things that went against the church, though, was because the church itself was very, very poor. Mm -hmm. And everything around them was gaudy rich. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, um, the, the art galleries and everything else was, yeah. was just full of uh, wealth and riches. Mm -hmm. And then you have this little church that, as when I was in Peru, for example, um, I spoke in churches that were made out of cardboard. Mm -hmm. You know, and they just, they just, hung up like two pieces of cardboard on some sticks with a little blue top over it with cardboard mm -hmm. on each side, dirt floor, and that was their church. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be that way throughout history, throughout so many cultures that we see, that the more prosperous they get, the more almost anti-Christian they become. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the benefits that the world receives, and I think of even our own nation, how much of the prosperity that's come in our nation really has come about because of the church, whether it be hospitals, whether it be our education system, all that stuff. 
But now we've pushed God out of so many of those things. Why? Because we feel like we're prosperous enough. We don't need him anymore. And all of a sudden now, um, you know, those that want to name the name of Christ find themselves maybe being overlooked for the promotions and things of this nature. And so there, there's always has tended to be this um, pattern. And it's not just to America. It happened in Israel. It happens, you know, here in Smyrna, that the more prosperous they became, the more standoffish they became to the church or anything that looked like the church. And so the things that society would benefit from, the church was actually um, kept away from. Yep. Yeah. So so now as we, we step into this church setting for um, our time, mm-hmm. Jesus says the same thing, starts off saying the same thing that he does to all the churches in verse 9, I know your works. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is that is really telling. Um, and certainly today in America, if Jesus were to write us a letter like he did, you know, in these seven churches, I think one of the first things that he would say to the church in America, I know your works. Mm-hmm. I know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I know the good things you're doing, and I certainly see those things that are contrary to me that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I know your works. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not just I have the intellectual knowledge of it's a, I fully understand. Yeah. I fully comprehend on all levels exactly what's at play here. It's not just this mental knowledge, it's the wisdom that also comes with that knowledge. Yeah, and, and once again, I, I think that is, you know, the omniscience of God where we can't fool him. Mm-hmm. You know, where if, we're, if, we come, if we go to church and we're just playing church, mm-hmm. um, and by playing church, I mean, are we, are we pretending? Mm-hmm. You know, are we doing like they used to do in the old theater, you know, have a mask on here when you play this part and then you take the mask away when you're playing another part. And is that is that what's happening mm. um, in the Church of America? And he looks at the Church of Smyrna and he says, look, I know I know what you're going through. I know um, the persecution mm-hmm. you're going through, but I know your heart. Yeah. And you don't want to worship the emperor. Mm-hmm. You see the the. Um, uh, evil that there is. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, he goes, Jesus goes and describes, I think, in great detail, the evil there is in man worship or emperor, you know, mm-hmm. worshiping the emperor or worshiping the system or whatever the case may be. And certainly today in our world, we're seeing an awful lot of people worshiping a system mm-hmm. and, you know, and going very far away from God, you know. Uh, thinking that we have achieved. And mm-hmm. so in God, I think in verses 9 and 10 in particular, really seems to point out and and describe vividly what mm-hmm. he thinks of that. Yeah. Well, even that word that he uses there, the first one right after I know your works, he says tribulation. And that word for tribulation, when you look at it, that was referring to a specific type of torture that was common back then when they would tie you down and then what they would do is they would put a weight on your chest and then they would put another weight on your chest and then they would put another weight on your chest until eventually your chest would crush and more or less you would suffocate to death and and so this is the kind of picture he's portraying here. It's like I, I not just I understand that you're going through hard times. It's like I understand that 
there's just been one way after another, after another, after another that's been getting placed on you and you feel like you're going to crush underneath yeah. it all. And so that, to me, paints a level of understanding that goes so much deeper than just, I know you're hurting. Yeah. You know, it's, I know the depth at which you're yeah. hurting. Yeah. And yeah. that's different. Yeah, because one of the terms that I found with the word tribulation was it is un unrelenting. Mm-hmm. Which means what? Right. They're going to keep the pressure on and they're going to be, you know, it's like turning the screws mm -hmm. and turning them tighter and tighter and tighter until finally um, you disconnect it. I mean, it's just, right. you know, and, and that's, what, that's what they're doing. To yeah, this. there's no relief. There's no relief. No, not at all. So, so Jesus is very well aware of this. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly a lot of people would look at it and say, well, goodness, if Jesus was so well aware of this unrelenting tribulation why didn't he do something about it because mm -hmm. after all he's greater than he that's in the world right yeah, so right. why does why doesn't he just do something right and and i think that the big answer to that and that and that is a great question because he comes right out there and and ends up saying later on look i know the um oh, where was it how because i want to get the wording exactly right but it said, oh, do not fear any of the things which you are about to suffer. So they weren't even, I mean, they were suffering some things out, but he was basically saying, you haven't seen all of it yet. Yeah, yeah, there's I was more, thinking that. There's more coming. Well, hold it, God, if you know there's more coming, why not stop it? Right. But one of the big keys there is right after that, he says, indeed, the devil yep. is going to throw some of you in prison. Well, but hold it again. Isn't he more powerful than the devil? Well, obviously the devil himself isn't coming out from hell and doing that. But what's he doing? He's manipulating people. And he's manipulating their will to the point that they do his bidding. And the one thing about our God is he is a faithful God. And we want him to be faithful. But you know, if he's faithful, he's got to be faithful across the board. Yep, and everything. And that means all the way back to the garden when he gave us this thing called free will. Mm-hmm. He gave us the ability to make choices. And you know what? Sometimes the choices people make hurt other people. He is God. Does he have the power to exercise it over it? Yes, he does. But the minute he does, he then takes away our free will. And now he has proved himself unfaithful. So for him to be faithful, he has to let that free will play out. But he doesn't leave us without hope because he's basically letting them know, look, it's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. But I'm overcoming and you can overcome. And you know what? They might take this life, but they can't take you from me. Right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus even mentioned that, right? He says, um, you can fear those who, who take the body, mm -hmm. but how about fearing me because I have power over the body and the spirit. Right. So you need to fear me. You know, one of the things, St. Augustine, uh, and I read this quote this morning, and, and I think it truly applies here. St. Augustine said, said this. He said, God would not allow evil if God did not know that he could make good out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I thought about that and said, wait a minute. So in order, in order for, you know, for evil to exist and evil to play the important part that it does, especially in the Church of mm -hmm. Smyrna, for example, that God was going to be glorified in and through this. Mm -hmm even through the torturing or through the tribulation, through the unrelenting, you know, stuff that they had to go through. Mm -hmm. But Christ was going to be, was, was, was 
that's going to be praised through it. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of that's understanding and learning to see things the way God sees, which is hard for finite people to think like an infinite God or to see like an infinite God. But you look at um, what is most important to him. Like you said, people can snuff out this. This life is going to get snuffed out sooner or later. And it's actually, whether it's today or whether for me it's 30 years from now, in light of eternity, it's it's less than a blink of an eye. Yeah. Right? And so it's going to happen one way or the other. But God, and, and we see this here as he portrays this picture to Smyrna when he's talking about, you know, even the way he ended it, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. He's trying to get their folks off. Stop looking at things like finite beings. Look at them through my eyes. Where I do not look at just simply the life you're going to live on this earth. I'm looking at the life that your spirit is living, which goes beyond this life, what you think of as your lifespan. And so you've got to move yourself into that new realm. And as you do, that will give you the strength to be able to put up with the junk that you might have to put up with now. Because you and I both know, and we've because we've talked about this in the past, and you can go anywhere in the world right now. As you said, you go to a lot of these persecuted countries, the church is growing 10 times faster oh, yeah. plus there than it is here. Why? And they're stronger. Because the church is getting persecuted. Yep. The, and how is it growing through all that? Because the world gets to see there's something real. Yeah. This is this. There's no way this can be just a philosophy. There must be something to this. And now people are giving their lives to Christ as a result, which means what? More souls are being redeemed from the pit of hell. And if so, if that means my life has to be shortened on this earth to guarantee somebody's eternal salvation. Yep. Those are the kinds of eyes we have to begin to see yeah. with. You know, there's two points that I was thinking of as you as you were articulating this. One is uh, a friend of mine who has now gone to glory. He's passed away. Uh, Dekadio Thompson, missionary from India. And I think I've shared this several times on this broadcast. But, you know, he was telling me one day, he says, Pastor, he said, I want to let you know that I'm praying for your church and I'm praying for America. You know, and I was feeling pretty good about that. He says, well, brother, keep praying for us. He says, oh, no, let me explain. What I'm praying for America is that you learn what persecution is, mm. like we have in India. Because mm. our church in India is so much stronger than the church in America. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, I said, so how do you know that? He said, well, the churches I visit and all this. He says, usually the churches I visit, their services last an hour. Mm -hmm. Maybe an hour, 15 minutes, but then the people get kind of antsy and they go on, they want to leave, they got things to do, and all of this. He says, you know what happens in India? People get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, they walk 20 miles, they get to the church. We have all-day services. Mm -hmm. Then about dusk, they get up and they walk home. Because they can't get enough mm. of what Jesus Christ is. Yeah. Yet in America, you can't, your people can't sit in your pew for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and this is not just on Sundays. Right. He, he said, this is several days a week. They do that. Mm -hmm. And because their urgency and their want is so great. Mm -hmm. Which goes to the second point that I want to point out. Dr. Erwin Lutzer wrote a book, uh, 
uh, Satan in the hands of God, mm-hmm. or a pawn in the hands of God. And Dr. Lutzer explains what is the spiritual, what is the main spiritual battle today that is mm-hmm. that is taking place. The main spiritual battle is this: God has given man free will. Mm-hmm. Satan is saying to God, "They won't worship you on their own." And God is saying to Satan, yes, they will. Mm-hmm. That is the battle. Yep. And that's what's happening here. Which is the same battle that also goes all the way back to the first book that we know of as far as being written that's in Scripture, the book of Job. Yeah. Same story. Yeah, same, same story. And that's what's happening here. These people, despite the tribulation, the unrelenting tribulation, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that the devil is up there in front of God, wringing his hands, you know, and saying, oh, Smyrna will crack. You know, the people will finally give up and they will follow the emperor and they will worship and bow before the emperor and they will do all this. Yet they didn't. Mm-hmm. So who got the victory? Yep. You see, it's God being able to turn that evil mm-hmm. into something good for himself. Yeah or he would not have allowed evil. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I really like what St. Augustine said there. So you go in, in God and his omniscience. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know the depth of your tribulation. I know how, how deep the hurt is, the, the pain is. Um, and, and once again, how does he know that? Mm-hmm. Because he went there. That's right. Right? Jesus Christ went there. Why did Jesus Christ come to earth? <laughs> so that he could identify yep. fully with mankind. Mm-hmm. And that means in the pain, in the hurt, in the emotional abuse, everything. He went through it. Mm-hmm. So that when, when the devil goes up to the Father, to God the Father, and he accuses Tim Golden, or he accuses Harold Noyce, or you who are watching, if you know Christ, he goes up as the accuser of the brethren, and what does Jesus Christ do as our advocate? Mm-hmm. Stands up and says, not guilty. I've been there. I know what they're going through. Yep. And he's telling us that in this portion of Scripture. I know your works. Why? Mm-hmm. I've been there. I know your tribulation. Why? I've been there. Mm-hmm. The death I died was horrendous. Yep. And what you're going through is, is horrendous. It's unrelenting. Mm-hmm. And certainly for those three and a half years Jesus was in ministry, um, the hatred towards him was unrelenting. Right. You know, where he, have, he would have to go and hide in the mountains just to spend time with God the Father, mm-hmm. you know, and so forth. So he knows what it is. So he's identifying with this church at Smyrna mm-hmm. uh, perfectly. So he goes and says, all right, I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. Um, now, we look at poverty as being, you know, poor in material things and things of that nature. And, and certainly, that is what the Church of Smyrna was like, mm-hmm. especially compared to the, to the synagogues and the cathedrals and everything else that were in the city proper mm-hmm. of Smyrna. You know, that were, like I say, I mean, they were, they were gaudy in, their, mm-hmm. in, in all the gold and silver and everything else that they were built with. Yep. But then you have the little church of you know, once again, cardboard or, or just nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And so he says, I know your poverty. I know what you're going through. You know, I know that wealth-wise, you have nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And, wow, um, 
and, and we're seeing that today. And it seems to me that the little churches, like ours, for mm-hmm. example, um, though we may not have big bank accounts, we may not have a whole lot of money that we can throw every place. Um, but you know something, we're doing well. Mm-hmm. You know and why? Because of Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's it. Right, and again, it's that aspect that He does not look at things the way that we do. Yeah. You know, we tend to measure the success of anything by what's the cash flow at the end of the bank statement, or how big is it, and and we think that, that somehow another measures success. And if that's the case, there's a lot of Old Testament prophets that God brags about who are total utter failures because they didn't have any of that kind of success following them. In fact, yeah. some of them uh, preached to a whole nation that didn't even listen to what they had to say. Right. Yet God considered them rich and successful yeah. because why? They did simply his work for his reasons. And and that's why I love that when he said it, poverty, but that puts some, you know, at least in my translation, it has in parentheses, but you were rich. But you're rich. Yeah, and that's you what know, I had. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I know You've got this poverty thing, but let me help you understand something. I see something you don't see. Yeah. And there's a richness. And there again, it's those eternalized. It's, it's that, uh, like Paul talked about, storing up your treasures in heaven, you know, versus on this earth. And, and, not, and that's not preaching against being rich or wealthy, nor, yeah. nor, nor do I think he's trying to preach against that here. But what he's saying is, look, poverty is not measured by your bank account or by your possessions or by your prestige or by your titles. It's measured by your obedience to me. Yep. And they lived in total, utter obedience to Christ. You know, and I, and I look at this too, Tim, and, um, because you and I both agree that, that you know, salvation and, and living in Christ is relational. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not religious. It's relational. Yeah. So I think what Jesus is pointing out to them is, look, they may think that you're in poverty, because you don't have, you know, um, the, the government is not supplying everything for you. They, mm-hmm. have, they have taken everything away from you. Uh, and, and you have to, you know, just kind of uh, scrounge for anything that you have. And everybody will look at you and say you're very poor. But I, your God, I look at you and see you as very rich. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you would agree with me in this. I may not have much in this world, but I'm the richest man in the world mm-hmm. because I have Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and to me, that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And because of that relationship, and though Jesus is enough, right? Um, there, there's an old song of years ago where Jesus is to heaven there, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. even, even if all I have is a cottage here below, right? It's still wherever he is, it's heaven. And, and it's, it's this concept that he is enough. But it also goes as far as to say, do you understand that because of that relationship, everything, everything that I have, every resource that I have is yours. Even if you don't see the material manifestation of it in this world, it's yours. And someday it will manifest itself, whether in this world or the next, but it is going to manifest itself. Yeah. If- now to go on to the to the next section of this because I think it's just so relates to where we are today. Mm-hmm. In in regards to he goes and says, and I know mm-hmm. the blasphemies of them that say that they are Jews. 
in today's world that we're living, could we rewrite this and say that Jesus would be speaking and saying, and I know the blasphemies of they which say that they are Christians. Mm. Mm -hmm. But they're not. Right. You could, and that wouldn't be adding to or taking away, which the book of Revelation warns about the book of Revelation itself. but, um, But the Jews were considered to be God's holy people. Right. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those that name his name are now children's, his children as yep. well. So, yes, you could by all means today use that word and not be sacrilegious. You know, and once again, I mean, because what he's saying is, here they are, they're saying the Jews. Well, who do, who do, do the Jews worship? Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to worship Adonai. They're supposed to worship mm-hmm. um, the God of glory. They're supposed to worship Jehovah Jireh. They're supposed to worship, you mm-hmm. know, that. But they're not. Right. You know, yet they're still trying to tell us that they're Jews, mm-hmm. and they're not. Right. And it's the same thing that you and I face almost daily, I'm sure, mm-hmm. where, you know, you go and you talk to people, and, and as you're talking with them, what's one of the first things that they say? Well, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I believe as you do. But then when you get down to the nitty-gritty, where are they? Mm-hmm. They're very far from us as right. far as what they believe or who they believe in. Right. And, so, and, it's, and it's even going even further than just saying, look, that those who say they are Jews and are not, but then I think it's interesting that he adds to that, but they are a synagogue of Satan. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't go over too well, especially in our society today that wants to try to portray this picture that there's more than one way to get to God. Yeah. God makes it very clear, look, you're either for me, or, you or you're against me. You know, there's not this just a matter of either you're a Jew or you're not. If you're not, that places you within the enemy's territory. So, You know, and I, and I look at it, and, and I looked at the word blasphemy, and, and in this term, in this setting, it has words blasphemy. It says, I know the slander of them. Yes. So they're slandering. It's almost like... Well, you say that you're a Jew, or you say that you're a Christian, or you say that you're a follower of God. Mm-hmm. Well, I am too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, you know, God takes it as, as an affront to him. Yeah. And that's really what he's saying here. Oh, all these other people who are worshiping the emperor and, and sucking up to him and, and taking the bounty from them right. and grace, you know, just receiving all that. Um, they're yeah. not mine. Right, which means that really what they're saying here is it's almost like going up and not only proclaiming that they are Christians, but saying, now, you tell me that you're a Christian, but if you are, then you'd be doing things the way that I'm doing it, even though it doesn't line up with yeah. the Word of God. Sure. And because you don't, that somehow or another makes you, maybe they wouldn't use the word anti-Christian. I think in our society today, we would use other interesting terms for that, like you are um, a domestic terrorist yeah. or, you know, or something of that Narcissist nature, right? Or, and, you know, so that, because, but they'll claim that what I'm saying is all about the Bible. Bible says just love one another. So that means you've got to just accept all these other things that are sins yeah. as being okay. And sorry, that's, that's not only proclaiming one thing, but you're trying to say that I have this title and therefore I can dictate that this is what 
Christianity is, even when it's far removed from Christianity. And because of that, they then bad-mouthed and um, chastised those that were actually living according to the Word right. of God. Right. And I think that when you look at America these days, we're starting to see that really transpire more and more. In fact, if we go back to the church at Ephesus just for a moment, one of the things that Jesus commends them for mm -hmm. is found in verse 6, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So you hate the things that I hate. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of people would say, well, pastor, you can't be a Christian because now you're talking about hate. Well, wait a minute. If God loves me, you can't have just the love aspect of it. You have mm -hmm. to have the other side of the coin. The same thing with heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. So many people want to just preach heaven, 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 and not preach hell. But guess what? Heaven is not going to worth anything mm -hmm. if there's no hell. Right. And, and with that, the Nicolaitans, there's no desire to repent. Yeah. There's no attempt to even think about coming in lining their lives up with the things of Christ, right? So, and those things, and we see even the Apostle Paul talk about that, have nothing to do with those people, have nothing to do with those sorts of situations. It's not that we condemn them, but there is a separation that has got to happen. God will do the condemning. Right. But still, we sometimes have to toe the line and say, look, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this because it is so contrary to the Word of God that I know that if I subject myself to that, I can easily be led astray, and then now I am not living life pleasing to God. Yeah. And so I, I, and I value my life with God more than that. So verse 9, the end of verse 9, ought not to really come to us at a surprise when he goes, when Jesus goes and says particularly, they say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, that really should not surprise us because we are told that Satan right now is the god of this world. Mm -hmm. I mean, God has God said, okay, you go and you have your time. Mm -hmm. But just remember, yeah, I'll have my time too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, 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 he loosed him. Matter of fact, when he threw him out of heaven, where did he send him? Mm -hmm. Down right here. here. <laughs> you know, thanks a lot, right? So he sent him right, so that he'd become the god of this world because God is saying, look, in this great battle, the battle is who are the people going to worship freely? Mm -hmm. And you and I, for example, we worship Jesus Christ freely because mm -hmm. we want to, we desire to, um, there's nothing else, and, and that's mm -hmm. it. Well, here, these people, they have freely now gone and said, look, it's God or it's, it's the emperor or Satan, and we're going to worship him. Why? Mm -hmm. Look at what he gives to us. Right. You know, gives us all this food free, gives us health care free, gives us everything free, and it sounds like today, um, you know, and therefore we're going to start worshiping mm -hmm. that. Right. And isn't that what's happening today in yeah. our world? Mm -hmm. You know, start worshiping those things. So he goes and says, but out of the synagogue of Satan. Now, he says in verse 10, and this is the, the question that we had earlier, Jesus says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Why? What is fear in right, Tim? You work, you work, you know, with psych people and things of that nature. I mean, what, what is fear? What, what is your definition of fear? Or when does fear come? Or 
Fear, um, lots of times. I remember, you know, there's always these little cliches you hear, and one I always liked was fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Um, and lots of times like that's that. the case. Uh, but sometimes it can be real things, but it's any fear is, there's, fear itself is not really all that terrible of a thing. It's what we let that fear do to us yep. that becomes the issue. Um, you know, that's why God looked at uh, Joshua and told him all those times in Joshua's chapter 1 and 2, right? Uh, Do not be afraid, but be of be good, good courage, courage. Yep. right? For I, will, you know, for I will be with you wherever you go. And so he understands fear is going to take place. But do you have fear or does the fear have you? And if the fear has you, it will cripple you. It will cause you to put more faith and trust in that thing than you put in God himself. And that's really what's the, in my opinion, is where fear really becomes an issue. And of course, we know from Scripture that perfect love casts out fear. Right. So if we're John really four, drawing right. close to God and we understand all that He is and all that He wants to be in our lives, then there will be no need for fear because we know that no matter what comes, He is greater. Yeah. Now, my understanding is, is this, is that fear generally comes before any of the suffering really appears. Mm -hmm. It is a preconceived idea mm -hmm. of this is what's going to happen to me. It hasn't happened yet, but we mm -hmm. conjure up in our minds the worst of the worst mm -hmm. and think that's going to happen. Yeah. Yet, at least in my studies, most of the psychologists and psychiatrists and everything say 90% of what we fear never happens yeah never happens yeah. so we find here where he goes and says fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer look don't become afraid of something that you haven't gone through mm -hmm. yet is that what they call the fear of the unknown yeah sometimes it's the not knowing yeah that the, that's the scary part and, and sometimes that can be towards very good things too yeah because i've seen as I said in the course of my mental health career that uh, so many people choose to stay in patterns of behavior for their lives that are totally self-destructive. And they will tell you they're self-destructive, but they will stay there. And when you press them enough, they'll ultimately end up telling you, but at least this, I know what to expect. Yeah. If I go the other way, it might be better for me, but I don't know what's on the other side, and that scares me to death. And I'd rather stay here. So in verse 10, though, Jesus goes, and he doesn't hide from them what to expect, mm -hmm. right? Because he goes and says, okay, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. And by the way, I'm going to tell you some of the things you're going to suffer, right? Mm -hmm. So what he, what he says is, behold, the devil shall cast you, some of you, into prison. Now, he doesn't say all of you. He says mm -hmm. some of you. Which ones of you? I'm not going to say. But some of you he's going to cast into prison, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation 10 days. Now, 10 days just means for a season. Exactly. It does not mean 10 days, mm -hmm. 10 particular days or 10 years of days or anything. Mm -hmm. it, just, it just simply says for a season. Right. And that season, when they used the term 10 days, was considered a short season. Yeah. Of course, short in relation to what? Yeah. Is, is the question. When you talk about a God of eternity, short can be... Yeah, quite a while. And, and when you're going through suffering and torment and so forth, uh, I don't care how short it is, it seems like an eternity. Yes. Um, you know, when you're going through that kind of stuff. So, so he goes and, and so he shares with him and said, look, some of you are going to end up in prison. Some of you, mm -hmm. some of you are going to die. 
I'm going to be flat out with you, you're going to die. You know, um, and, and, you know, you look at that and say, wow, you know. But then you go back to, to the beginning of verse 10, but fear not. Mm-hmm. I like John 14. I just love John 14. Let not your happy trouble. Mm-hmm. You believe in God, believe also in me. Yeah. You know, and then he, he ends off in verse 27. My, um, my peace I have given you. Not the peace that the world gives or I give mm-hmm. unto you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Right. And, you know, he, he's saying this to this, this little impoverished, struggling, mm-hmm. tormented church in Smyrna. So he goes and says, you shall have tribulation for a season. Be thou faithful unto death. Mm-hmm. Even though it may cost you your life, be faithful. Mm-hmm. Be faithful. And I'm saying that to, to us as American Christians, mm-hmm. or saying it to the people all over the world that are watching this broadcast Mm-hmm. Be faithful, no matter yeah. what you may be going through right mm-hmm. now. Stay faithful. Mm-hmm. You know, method. We've been told be faithful to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and and Paul, Paul is able to say, "I fought to fight. Mm-hmm. I've run the race. I've finished the course." Mm-hmm. He was faithful to the end. That's it, and it comes right back to what we were sharing before. And, and as you had also said, you know that it's some of you that are going to go in prison, but I'm not telling you which ones. So it's important that all of you yeah. understand it could be me. Yeah. And again, this is he's calling them to this understanding before it happens. Yep. You know, so it's this aspect of don't wait until you're in the midst of it to try to figure out am I going to stay true to this or not. Count the cost before it happens. And and then you follow through. But then as he said, and I'm gonna give you the crown of life. Now what I liked about this, which I didn't realize until actually earlier today, was that in Smyrna, in that day, the crown was their emblem. That was their city's emblem. And in fact their coins had that on it. And of course and we know of course with the Greco Roman Empire with all the you know, games and stuff like that, wreaths were given, you know, around your head yeah. and whatnot, like all that stuff. So they had a great understanding of what this crown meant. But it's understanding also that because of their poorness, because of their poverty, because of the fact that they were simply Christians in this kind of society, they were kept from a lot of those areas of prestige or royalty or anything like that where you would get a crown. Right, right. So in this world, you're not going to get it, but you know what? I'm going to make sure you get one. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, just and, stick it out. Yeah, and he even he even uh, goes further in verse 11, at the end of verse 11, where he says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Yeah. The second death means what? This. You will not be ever, ever, never, ever separated from me. That's right. Never. You know, mm-hmm. people who do not trust Christ as Savior, they will go through eternity separated from God. Mm-hmm. Those of us who know Christ as our Savior, we will go through eternity with Him. Right. Married with Him. Yeah. And, and He's saying to that. So I think the crown mm-hmm. of life, and you will not suffer hurt of the second mm-hmm. death. It's basically and, the same thing. Yeah. And it's also understand that separ- it's and that separation from God is huge and we don't even can't even begin to grasp it because even the not unsaved today still experiences the blessings of God. Yeah. We do not know the total absence of God. Right. And we won't until that day. But when you are totally separated from him and that level of hopelessness, that level of lifelessness is suffocating in and of itself. And now you couple with that 
the fact that now you're not only separated from God, separated from that one who wants to shield and protect you to the point that now you are totally left wide open to the hands of the enemy, to whom, by the way, you are the image of God. Mm -hmm. Whether you accepted Christ or not, you bear his image. And if he can't get even with God directly, who do you think he's going to go yeah. after? And who's, who's he going to really take out his frustrations on yeah. next? You're going to be tortured. tortured you know, I mean, the level of torture you have not begun to imagine. I'm not trying to scare people into heaven, but it's a reality. Yeah, we it have is. to understand. It is. So our advice to you today is this. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, if you haven't said, Jesus, I'm a mm -hmm. sinner, but I know that you died for my sins upon the cross of Calvary. You shed your blood upon the cross of Calvary, which, which you used to wash my sins away. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I trust you today. I want to know what it is to have eternal life. I don't want to know what it is to suffer the hurt of the second death. That's right. I do not want to do that. I'm Pastor Harold Noyes, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30 every Sunday morning. We have an evening service at 6 p.m., we have Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Call the office and we can try to plug you in. Mm -hmm. And just also in reference to what Harold was saying, if, if you prayed that prayer that he just pray, prayed there, uh, let us know. You know, instant yeah. message us on Facebook or whatever so we can get something in your hands uh, to help you with this new walk. Or if you're just like, I need help walking through this even more. Drop us a line. We'll be happy to do that. But, um, but as far as Life on Main, we do meet at 223 Old Springfield Road, the Charlestown Senior Center, right there in Charlestown, New Hampshire. Every Sunday morning, we have coffee at 10, service at 11. Love to have you come out and join us. We also have cottage prayer meeting at 276 Main Street at the Place of the Abundant Life Center, uh, right there on Main Street, Charlestown, Route 12, 630 every Wednesday night. No matter your uh, what church you attend, we want you to keep attending there, but you want to come and just pray with us for our communities, we would love to have you there. Uh, thank you for tuning into this. Thank you to all the staff that's here that makes this show possible. And also you can tune into us in a lot of different social media venues, whether it's on Facebook, uh, just look up Heartline Ministries there. Also on Rumble, you can find us. You can find us on YouTube if you go to bit.ly slash Heartline Ministries and also on Truth Social. If you're more the person that just likes to take the audio on the go, you can tune into us on your favorite podcast providers as well. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, CCC of Athens, down on the Lower Road. We are having a 